Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Andrew Hale. body as a community-minded congregation, and we're just mindful of the needs, the medical needs, the uncertainties that might be going on with, with events, and so we're mindful of Leroy Jones and, and all of that's going on with him. God, may there just be clarity, may there be understanding, may the doctors be able to speak into and provide understanding for him as they make decisions and figure out what's going on with him and his health. Mindful of the, of the group that's putting together the event this weekend. There's so much that they put into it, at least six months of planning, if not more. And so, God, as they're rattled, as they are figuring out what's going on, um, God, may they just know that your face shines, and God, that you are good, and God, that they may have spirits that are calm, that there's peace that reigns in their spirit, and that they're able to make decisions and act in ways that would honor and glorify you. I'm mindful of River and all that's going on there. God, we just ask for breakthrough. God, we ask, we know that you have the power to do so. God, we just come before you and ask for clarity. We ask for even a miracle, God, that you would be able to, to clean that up and that they go in and find that things are running well with his body. God, we're mindful of the hurts and the needs and the aches and the pains, the frustrations and the angers, the excitements and the energies of all that's going on in our lives and all the busyness. And God, may we just fine-tune and find where you're at, fix our gaze upon you, Jesus. May we fix our gaze. Thank you for drawing us close to you. Amen. Well, Pastor Brock, who is our lead pastor here, is away. It's his annual mentors weekend. And so he's off gallivanting in Colorado. Um, last time he was in a mountainous region, he almost didn't come back. So we're hopeful. We're hopeful that he does return with some stories to share. Maybe not quite as exciting as that one, but one that he gets to share nonetheless. So we're diving in today. My name is Pastor Andrew, for those that maybe I've not been able to connect with. And so have you ever found yourself in a circumstance or where someone says something or even asks you a question that just gives you pause? It just makes you say, not really sure what to say back to that, or did you really just ask that, or whoa, what in the world? I'm like knocked back on my feet because of that question or that statement. Can't believe that that just took place. And it's not just a whoa, that's super cool, but like, well, this is, this is kind of awkward. Not, I, I don't know what to say right now. Can we both just leave and pretend this didn't happen and come back in the room and have this conversation go differently? Can we just forget that it even took place? And so I was thinking about this, these just awkward pauses, awkward moments. And I'm a big believer in the concept that things are only as awkward as you allow them to be. We only, they're only able to be awkward if we let them be. And so we can do something about that. We can break through that. We can ignore that and just continue on with that conversation, figure that out with the other people. But when I was my first time directing a youth event, this has been several years ago. I won't say many, but several years ago, I was up at Quaker Haven. And I go up, and I go up front, getting ready to step onto the microphone. At this time in my life, I'm, I'm usually a pretty quiet, shy person, but at that time in life, I was in especially, like, in high school, I didn't even talk to teachers because I was so quiet. I was just so living in fear. And so I go from that to now I'm trying to lead this youth event, which means I have to be on a microphone. And so I decide, because with nerves hit, I usually try to crack a joke. And usually when I try to crack a joke, it's usually a pretty bad, weak joke. There's been examples up here of that. And 
I heard some chuckles. That means I'm telling the truth right now. Um, but I go up to the, the youth event, and so I try to crack this joke. And so again, this is for junior high and high school age students. And so I go up, and I, I can't remember the exact joke, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would tell it right now, and it would totally go. Um, but I would go up, and I would tell this joke, kind of like, you know, what do you give a sick bird? A tweetment. Or... Why does a flamingo lift up one leg? Because if it lifted up both legs, it would fall over. Or what do you call a funny chicken? A comedy hen. Thank you. When should you buy a bird? <laughs> when should you buy a bird when it goes cheap? Did you hear the one about the crow and the telephone pole? He wanted to make a long distance caw. Yes, that last one was nailed it right there. So I made a joke along those lines. It was about birds. It was, it was super funny, but it totally did not land. There was crickets. There, was, there wasn't even crickets. There was zero response. I just had a bunch of probably 80, 7th through 12th graders just looking at me going, like, why? This is how we're supposed to start this fun weekend event? Is this guy up here trying to tell a joke that totally did not land in the Unfortunate part of that is that the guys in the back who were actually the leaders and the people on staff with the early meetings, they were cracking up laughing because they knew I was totally uncomfortable. I had tried this out of my nature, out of my comfort zone moment, and it totally got zero response. And so I had this awkward moment of, do I try again? Like, knock, knock, you didn't get it. Or like, do I just move on? So think about those awkward pauses, right? Maybe for you, it's been you went to go and ask this girl out, and, and as you went to go and, and ask her at the locker, um, she turned and walked away before you got the nerve up to actually open your mouth. Or maybe it's, I'm not speaking from experience, or maybe it's, um, you know, you're going out for the basketball team, and you know that the coach is watching, that's the moment you dribble off your toe. Or maybe it's... Um, there's, a, there's a, a promotion that's up, and you just know it's yours, and it's going to be a shoe in the bag. And even to the extent that you believe it, that they go to make the announcement, and you get up out of your chair and start walking forward, and they say someone else's name. Anybody else had one of those moments? Nobody else. Awesome. So awkward moments, right? And so someone actually asked me recently, is this job that you're in now, is it a stepping stone? And that was, for me, just an awkward moment. I paused. I wasn't sure what to say. I didn't know if there was, like, you know, power behind the question or if there was something, like, was there an alternative motive going on inside this person? And, and I've always had this connotation with, with that type of question in a negative sense, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But my initial answer was just an awkward pause. There's just that gap, that silence of they're looking at you and they're thinking, why is he not saying anything? <laughs> Did he hear me? And, and for me, I, I wasn't wanting to be caught in a statement. I wasn't wanting to over-speak. I wasn't wanting to hide from the person in front of me either. I'm not trying to like sneak around that question or just totally ignore it. I wanted to answer, but I also wasn't sure what was motivating this question. And, and in every circumstance, no matter what situation it might be, I know for me, I desire to be genuine. I desire to be authentic. I desire to speak without overstepping in my words or actions. And, and so while I didn't really have a hand to show, I was almost like trying to hide and guide that hand. And so again, as I mentioned, I have this negative connotation with a stepping stone, especially when it comes to my job, when it comes to um, being a pastor. Is this like a stepping stone to some sort of position in the future? 
And maybe it's, it's even outside of that for all of us. It's this connotation of using the circumstances that we're in to gain momentum. Or maybe it's gaining altitude to get a different, higher perspective to be able to look down and have more to speak or to say. Or maybe it's just being in a position of authority, to having that power. Like, I have something to bring now because I have this position. I now can speak. I can direct. I can dictate what's going on. And in Genesis 11, there's a group of people who have come together, and this is the story of the Tower of Babel, and just hitting the highlight of it here, they say in in verses 3 and 4, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. So they use brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And so what they're doing is there's this group of people who are coming together, and they are saying, hey, we can do something pretty cool together. We can come together from our different positions and locations around geographically. We can come together and pool our resources. We can come together and work together to try and build this tower, to try and build this thing that could, as they say, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And so what comes into this is just the concept of, of we're going to build this thing. This is my thing to build. We're going to come together, and we're going to build the city, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be huge, and it's going to reach all the way to heaven. We, on our efforts, can access heaven and then have access to do whatever we want to do on this earth. To say, I did this feat. I was part of this group. I was part of this thing. And now if you look at this and what I did, that gives you reason to listen to what I have to say, that I now have influence because of that tower. And I think it's significant that we know that greatness, as they were striving for greatness in a certain sense, greatness is a good thing. Greatness is something that, as Tony Evans says, greatness is built in the DNA of man. Greatness is built in the DNA of man. It was put in there. It wasn't something that we just desire that's only prideful. It's something that is a reason that we tend to, as sin does, twist it is that greatness is something we tend to seek or at least desire to some extent. Maybe it's greatness in video games. Maybe it's greatness in my position with my job. Maybe it's greatness in making a difference in our community. Whatever that greatness might be, greatness is built into us. And many times what we tend to do is is I see greatness and maybe I even know that God inspired this in me and I want to do it my own way. God, you've given this to me, and I, I, maybe I know what my purpose is in life, so I'm going to go and do it. God, thanks, appreciate it. Now I've got some clarity. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go and do my thing. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it because I am pretty awesome. I have this thought. I'm pretty smart. I'm able to figure things out. I can do problem solving. I can do constructive criticism upon myself that I have what it takes. And God says, no, 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 no. I put that there. I put that greatness there. Any greatness you achieve, I inspired that to begin with. And not only did he put it there, there's the words in Scripture that say, so that. So God says, I put that there so that life could go well. And not just that it goes well and that you're successful and that you're great, but that so that life could go well because it goes the way of, as God speaking, my will. That God has a way to operate. God has a operational code, if you will. And yet, as we look at Scripture time and time again, does God act the same way to carry out his principles? Does God act in the same way to carry out his goals and his will? Almost every time it's different. If you look at the examples of when the, the mud or the blindness was cleared or cleaned up from people, that they were able to be, have sight again, Jesus did it a different way. 
He would spit, he would wipe, he would... There's just different ways that God, even Jesus, in doing the same task, would go about it differently. And I think that's by design to show that there's... He has ways that are going to shape and mold and affect us that are different than maybe we just learning his patterns, and now I can just duplicate the pattern. That he moves differently, that he inspires indifferently. And looking at the positive connotation of stepping stones, viewing each piece of the journey of life is a step down the path we pursue. So looking at this imagery of stepping stones, so maybe it's over water and you're trying to just step without landing in the water, right? Or maybe it's just a path that's straightforward and clear. Maybe there's, you know, we talk about life and maybe it's this journey and that there's these less path less traveled that maybe we're supposed to go down. We're not sure if that's supposed to the direction we go. Do we go left or we do a right? Do we go straight? Do we go back and turn around because I'm in the wrong place? And as, as I was thinking about this and trying to figure out how do we illustrate just this positive stepping stone. So if we look at this step-by-step process in life, I was reminded of a song. And this song is by New Kids on the Block called Step-by-Step, Step, Oh Baby gonna get to your girl. And then they do the... <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Jessica knows I practice that a lot. <laughs> so, it's actually really funny. So, side, side note, with, we have this little mat that um, Kaylin likes to play with that has little songs that it'll play. And she has her own dance style. I mean, it is hilarious. And if I had a video, I would totally should have showed it. But, um, but I mean, she's like, I don't, and I, I, I try to do it with her, and there's no like rhyme or reason. It's, it's just fun to watch. We'll show her that someday, and she'll hate that we videoed it. But, but, but to look at life and to know that we're doing this step-by-step approach, that there's life that we get to live, and while sometimes it's like I can't even see the step in front of me, not to mention even my hand in front of my face. But are we willing to believe even, even in spite of that visual that we don't have? Is that where that faith piece comes in? And that we have a trust, that there's a divine design for God's glory. That is that the purpose of our lives, that we live to glorify God. And maybe it looks like we own a restaurant and we serve with excellence. Or maybe that looks like we happen to serve in our church facility. Maybe whatever it might look like, we have a desi- divine design with our lives for God's glory and the expansion of his kingdom. So as we look at that, we even know that even as we're doing this, we know in life, as we know in our circumstances, that there's brokenness. I think we can all agree that humans make mistakes. I think we all can agree that other humans can make mistakes We all know the other people, and I could tell them how to do it better, and I would have done it this way. But we know that God, if we believe who he is and who he says he is in his word, he is the one. He is the answer for all of broken creation. He has a divine design for all the stuff we think about and that we work for. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, In the heart of every man is a purpose, but the man must draw it out. So even as we know this purpose is given by God, do we know it? Do we understand it? Do we believe it? But then is it just on us to go and live out that purpose? Or is it that God also comes in and delivers the opportunities for those purposes to be lived out? So God has already given us a reason for being, for existing 
in seed form in that purpose. But then it's also we're being told that while God is the one that fulfills those purposes, there's a dynamic of back and forth. There's a dynamic of I need to be intentional. I have to grow it. I have to do something with it. This seed, I've got to water it, I've got to plant it, I've got to be around other people so that I can help germinate, I can help grow this thing called life. And we can only grow in pursuit and relationship with him. It has to be founded in him. It has to be in connection with him. If it's not, it will wither. If it's not, it will eventually die away. If it's not, it will be defeating and debilitating for us. So as we look at a stepping stone as a large, firm rock that one uses to get across a stream or even a rough part of the path, stepping stones are helpful in our journey. And we all have the opportunities to either be a stepping stone or even to be a stumbling block. So a couple different quotes that I found looking at this concept of stepping stones and just different people's perspectives on approach. How do we deal with them? How do we handle them? Are they helpful? Are they not? Is it using something or is it being fully involved in each step? So uh, Mira Nair is a filmmaker. She says, never treat anything you do as a stepping stone. Do it fully and follow it completely. Another one from Halle Berry. I never wanted to be a model. My modeling career was nothing but a stepping stone to my acting career. And that's all I ever saw it as a pointless rock in the river that has to be stepped on in order to get to the meaningful oasis of acting. Johnny Cash says, you build on failure. Use it as a stepping stone. Close the door on the past. You don't try to forget the mistakes, but you don't dwell on it. You don't let it have any of your energy or any of your time or any of your space. Last one here from an unknown source. The difference between stumbling blocks and stepping stones is how you use them. So is it just a question of perspective? Is it just a question of how do I understand and perceive what's going on in life? Is it just a question of what in the world is going on and how do I look at this thing called life? How do I look at scripture? What is my filter? And is it possible that we're able to gain God's perspective? Is God just messing around with life? He created it and he kind of inserts and puts and influences and effects and causes things, but for the most part it's just kind of hands off. Or is it that he is all in, that he has a divine design, that his glory is the goal? That we have a purpose in life is to glorify God. Cool. Maybe I can understand that. But like, how do I in my life, how do I give glory to God? Do I say, someone gives me a compliment and I say, glory to God, praise the Lord. I mean, that, that might be helpful. Amen. Thank you, John. But, but just this concept of, is it just something we understand here? How do we turn it into something transformational? Is it something where I just say, hey, that's a good idea. That's right. Or is it something where I'm able to say, hey, that's, that's good, and I need to change. I need to do something different. I can't be stuck in the same ways. I can't be continuing in these paths and pathways that I know are going to get me the same result, even if I'm able to lengthen distance between the end result. So in high school and middle school, I ran track and field. I was a middle distance runner for the most part. So I ran for about seven years. And in high school is when they began having us use blocks. So blocks being the things that um, almost look like the letter T, but then you offset the, 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 um, the cross beam. What's the little thing on the, t- on the T, the cross? Anybody know? What is it? We're calling it a cross beam. So on the cross beam on the T, 
but then you offset it to a little crooked, which looks like my handwriting. And so coach said that you wanted to put your, his said was that he wanted to put your fastest foot in the track. So you would get down, I'll do it sideways, I don't know if that's better, and you would put one foot forward, one foot back, and you wanted to get your first, your fastest foot on the track. So you're making progress down the track as quickly as could be. And then while you're doing that, you're using the power from your dominant leg to make the initial push out of the block. So it would be like this, and you're... That's pretty good. <laughs> if any track athletes are here from Taylor, you can correct me later. But, um, but you have this... I just realized I'm not wearing my ring. Dang it. All right. Your mind wanders, apparently. So... I'm getting better, guys. So as you pull out of that, you snap your leg forward, you push with your dominant leg, and from there, it's just maintaining a low posture, keeping your body at that point, so that way you're keeping your drag at a minimum until you get to full speed, and then you want to open up your body to maximize your stride, to lengthen it, and to find that balance of looseness in the body and in breathing. And so in running, I often thought, especially in middle school and young, younger high school, I often thought of my legs and how fast they could move with running, that the goal was to move them as fast, which would carry my body forward. They're like supposed to be the strongest parts of the body, right? And so isn't that what running is, is our legs moving us forward, maybe even if we're running fast enough to get off the ground so we're like flying momentarily for each step? It's the movement of legs. And so many times we focus on that end Goal. My goal with the race was to get to that point at the end of the race. And so what was going to carry me there was my legs. What carried me there was all of my movement in the straight and narrow, the rules of the race to get to the end game. So this is you and me, God. We're going to get to the end. I've got the end game in mind. God, I want to give you glory. God, I want to live in such a way that, that you are glorified. God, I can say praise the Lord, and I can say glory to God, and I can say amen anytime, anywhere, all the time, because that's how I'm wanting to live. But is it possible then we instead, our perspective becomes the spiritual impact in every moment? Because sometimes, and I know the church hasn't done itself a favor, sometimes our in-game goal is so focused that we have caused collateral, obliterating damage to people who are actually God's creation, who he is actually, actually seeking after. The church is the vessel, but the people are who he's in love with. And so what happens is I found that I needed coaching. Even though maybe I understood the concept of, all right, I line up here, maybe I can have a great start, and I can see the end goal, what happens in between, maybe I need some coaching. Maybe I need a different mental approach. Maybe I need some practical application aspects of my form need to be fine-tuned in order to achieve that goal in a more efficient, but actually more influential and effective manner. So actually, as you think about running, what you need to actually think about is your arms, because your legs will move as fast as your arms will go. Do I need to demonstrate? Yeah. So if I'm running, right, and I'm trying to move my legs as fast as I can, right, my arms were kind of all right. But if you focus on moving your arms as fast as you can, <laughs> whew, you can practice that on your way out. <laughs> and maybe I dramatize that a little bit, but the concept is still legitimate. I can only move my arms as fast as my legs go if I'm focused on my legs. But I can move my legs a whole lot faster and carry me a lot further, a lot quicker if I'm focused on the right thing. 
So is it possible in the midst of life, in the midst of this race, maybe we've been living life for a while. For me, it's been 30 years. Maybe for you, it's been 80. Maybe for you, it's been two or six, seven weeks. But is it possible to find our pace, our passion, and our purpose in the middle of a race? Do we have to go back to the beginning? Do we have to go back to the starting line in order for God to actually do something with us? What I'm trying to say is it's never too late. You're always involved. There's always opportunity. There's something to do, especially in today. There's been more access today than there ever has been in being able to speak into people. I need to work out. So, senior year of high school, back on the track, my goal since I was in middle school was to be on the varsity 4x400 or the 1600 meter relay team. That was my goal. That was my end game. I wanted to be a part of that. And as I got older, I was able to develop. I was able to hit some better times. And as we got to that senior year, there were guys that had graduated. So even if it was just by default, I was going to get to be on that 4x400 team my senior year. And we actually had a couple guys come out for the team who were faster. And so I did not get to be on that 4x400 team. They were just better. That's just, that's just the way it was. And so I could either throw myself a pity party or I could figure out something else I could do to help the team. Because as track, as much as there's an individual performance, there's a team aspect to it. And actually, one of the guys who was ahead of me in the lineup already, and we'd run together since junior high, he was actually running two events back-to-back for a high school team because he was just that good. So Joey was the guy. Like Joey was who I wanted to be like in life. Joey was who I wanted to be able to learn from. And so Joey was out there, he was killing it, but unfortunately it was actually to the detriment of his other events because he was doing these back-to-back runs. And so because of that, I offered to run the 300-meter hurdles to give Joey a break and possibly help the team overall. Now, I'd never run hurdles. I'm a senior, and I've never run this event before. I've run longer distances, but I've certainly never run 300 meters while jumping over certain items that could cause you to trip and fall and hit your face. So I went to my coach. I said, hey, can we, can we try this? Would this be a way to help the team, help lighten Joey's load, and I can come alongside and help the team? And he said, let's give it a go. Let's try it. So we, I practiced for a few days, and then that weekend there was an event. It was an invitational, um, but it was, it was a smaller invitational with a lot of heat. So coach put me in, put me in the 300-meter hurls. And so I take off, and I sped ahead of my heat quickly. And so I started focusing on my form. I started focusing on just trying to finish well, you know, make it through the race. And as I'm rounding the last bend, so that you go down the straightaway, you turn the, turn the end, and then you come back the other straightaway. And so I'm focused on my form. I'm focused on finishing. I'm trying to get over, you know. You're actually supposed to do one every time. But um, So as I'm getting ready to go over the final two hurdles on the straightaway, which is right in front of the grandstand, right in front of all the people that are watching, because there's so many people that go to track meets and watch. But there were people there that day. And so by the final two hurdles, both of those of my form and my focus on finish, those went goodbye. They went, I don't know where they went, but they went somewhere else. And so my legs were aching. They were tired from all of the leaping in addition to running. And so I'm on this final straightaway. It's in front of the crowd of parents, in front of the crowd of people. And I decided on those final two hurdles to create my own form as I went over those hurdles. Right then and there. And it was like this modified hurdle leg leap, like trying to get over, but purely out of desire not to trip and fall. 
And evidently was so focused on doing so that as I'm modifying my form, my tongue starts to come out because I'm so focused on doing this. And so I've come over, and as I'm realizing what's going on, I'm like halfway through this, and I start laughing at myself. So this happens in, this, you know, in a moment. So I'm going over this, I'm like... <laughs> and apparently it was loud enough that people in the grandstands noticed, and so they started laughing because they were seeing what was going on, and my tongue was hanging out. I kind of felt like Michael Jordan with the basketball doing like a dunk, except without all the you know, fame and fortune. And so in mid-jump, I realize all this, I begin to laugh, people catch on. And I finished the race. Didn't fall, didn't fall on my face, I finished the race. And at the end of the season, hold on a sec before you throw that one up there. At the end of the season, I'm running a race, 300 hurdles is actually sectional, so I'm getting, I've developed well enough that I've been able to run in sectionals in high school. And so go ahead and throw that picture up. This is a picture from my last race of my senior year. I say last race because I was in Second, maybe first place here, it's hard to tell because it's on the turn, but I did not make it to regionals. You have to place top three, I got fourth. I felt pretty good about that because I had only started running 300 meter hurdles a month before. But this is where my form, while maybe it looks decent, I am so tight, my hands are so like rigid, my muscles are flexed, my face, you're not supposed to do anything with your face, you're supposed to let it flap all over the place. My legs are not driving the way they're supposed to. I like having this picture because I think it's a cool picture, but it's actually a reminder that I was not doing well in this race. I felt good, and about mm, 20 meters from now, I start getting passed, and I just get defeated. Like, come on, senior year, really? This is how I'm finishing. I thought I actually had a chance to do something to contribute to the team, and I end up in fourth place, man. Come on. And I could see that the guy behind me in the black is... In, is uh, from Avon, and the other guy is from Danville, and the Danville guy's the last guy to pass me. He's just got long legs. He was a, he was a dude. But, but the idea being that I ran tight, I lost my pace, I lost my form, I lost what I was doing. On that final straightaway, I missed out because I didn't maintain. I didn't continue doing what I had been coached. I didn't continue doing what I had been taught. I didn't continue doing what I had been explained and expressed and even had experienced victory and helpfulness in the midst of. So I left my foundations out of desperation. I left my foundations out of desperation. And so in those desperate places, where is it that maybe we get off course? Maybe we get so worked up and freaked out that we just say, forget everything, or we say, get out of here. I got to leave. I got to step away. And sometimes we talk about maybe that's helpful. We got to get out of those places of sin, or maybe we got to get out of those places of just frustration that we get to take that time and space. Sometimes that's helpful. But what I'm talking about is I'm leaving everything behind because I have an end goal and end game, and I don't care what happens, collateral damage or not, I'm going to get there. Even if I don't finish in the way that I want, even if I end up in fourth place, I'm going to get to the end. And is it possible if I had kept that form, I might have been able to say I ran a regionals. A couple of passages to share connecting to this concept of foundations. 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Isaiah 28, 16, therefore says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. So when circumstances 
come. I encourage you to get up on those stepping stones, to stand up strong, to stand up proud of the Lord, proud in how you have pursued him, and say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. To know that I can't just say, I did this thing, and that's a foundation I'm going to stand on, but what happens when I make a mistake? Does my foundation crumble? If I'm so focused on what I have done, and then I don't carry it out, or I lose my form, I lose my pace, or I lose my patience, do I lose that foundation? But if we put it upon Jesus, if we put it upon who is our conqueror, we put it upon he that greater, the, greater is he than he that is in the world. So maybe your body's racked with pain, or it's weakened by a serious disease. But we're told to get up on that stone and say, my God has delivered me. He has healed me. By his stripes I am healed. If fear is surrounding you, get on that stone and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Whatever the circumstance say, I am standing on the rock, the rock Christ Jesus, and he will put me over. And don't say those things in stubborn or ignorance or even in a faith-filled way that we then twist and turn, but in a humble expression of devotion, not desperation in the sense of, I can't do anything but this, to say that I am devoted and I am not afraid to make known, to make it public. I don't live in vagueness. I don't live in a place where it's, I'm not sure what that person's about. I'm not sure what that person believes. I'm not sure what that person has to say or would do or, or believes or thinks or how should I act around that person. No, no, no. Let's make known who we are. Let's make known what we're about. Let's make known that this is not my home, but yet I live for a God who is seeking his own glory. I'm going to make it so that when my home arrives, I have prepared a place. With the people in my family and the people in my community, I have done something here because of the purpose I know God has given, and then also the opportunity he has given for those purposes to be carried out. Last passage here, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone and whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's being spoken to you. That's being spoken to me. That's being spoken to us. We are to bring the kingdom near. We are involved in that. It's not that we wait and we just wait, but we wait expectantly with anticipation to step in, to speak, to pray, to move, to be involved, not just to turn a blind eye, not to live with vagueness, but to live with intentionality. And more directly than that, we choose to look at this life not as normal and the supernatural and spiritual as the oddball, but that this here, this is what is normal. That when you go off to summer camp, that's real life. Let's make that normal. Maybe that time in the chapel, you're on your knees begging for clarity and change. Let's make that normal. That time when you spoke the truth in an uncertain circumstance, let's make that normal. And so let's take the steps laid out before us, those stepping stones, and progress on the stepping stones of life. So I'm finally, I'm ready to make a change in marriage after years of cycles. Maybe I'm finally I'm ready to say no more to what has brought death and destruction in life. I'm finally ready to say yes to that riskier proposition, not for the sake of the thrill, but to trust the Lord's leading as he desires for lavish obedience. 
And maybe, as I say those, you're like, I just can't get over the circumstances of life. I have suffered trauma. I have experienced. I have frustration. I have things that drag me down. They even cause me to say, why, God? Why me? Why again? And I think there's health in asking those things, but to dwell there is a place where the Lord wants us to stop questioning him and to start trusting him. He will bring us through those situations. So instead of questioning our circumstances, let's use those circumstances as bumps, as stones that we can climb upon. So as we close here, just last thing to express. Just start praising the Lord for victory over those stumbling blocks, whatever it might be. Use them as stepping stones and climb to the place God has desired for you. Would you stand with me and we'll pray. Again, if you're new or when it's one of your first times, we'd love to get you a gift basket there at the back. Dick Hensley's back there. He'll be glad to get you one. Let's pray. Jesus, as we praise you, as we look through our life, as we look at stepping stones, as we look at opportunities to grow and to move, God, it's something that we do communally. It's something we do with effort. It's something that we do that is inspired because of your purposes, but it's also something that needs to be done in our hearts and our spirits. And so, God, would we be softened and opened? Would we be willing to hear? Would we be willing to then do what it is that you would call us to do? God, That not that we do the same over and over. We revert back to what is normal but that we would use those stumbling blocks where we have fallen in the past. We climb upon them. We declare who you are, that we are conquerors because of you, that you are the inspiration, and that you provide and supply our purposes. God, may we live and seek with you with a gaze that's fixed upon you, with peace in our spirits, and yet with intentionality to seek. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.